Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special Funeral Edition. The 2023 Eagles are dead. It's (laughs) over. Shield Kafadia, joined by Ben Solak and Ace producer Cliff Augustine. The Eagles, in what has to be, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the worst loss. Of the Nick Sirianni era. Without question. You could go with the Super Bowl, but like you felt proud of the team if you're a fan after the Super Bowl for the most part. This has to be the worst loss of the Nick Sirianni era. To lose to Johnny Gans, your 10.5 point favorites at home. You have a 21-6 lead. You start the day, you have the number one seed in play. Most likelihood, yeah, you know, you have the number two seed where at least you get a couple home playoff games, then anything can happen. All that's still available to you. You got the Giants next week. And what do you do? You blow a 21-6 lead to the Arizona freaking Cardinals who had the number two overall pick in the draft coming into the weekend. You lose, you get bumped down to the five seed. Now in all likelihood, you're going on the road in the first round. If you get out of the first round, who knows? You're going on the road to Dallas probably in the second round. And then over the path, San Francisco, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, not happening. Not with this team that has lost four or five, that is falling apart, that looks like a disaster. Ben Sola. 
How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. It's, it's not happy New Year. <laughs> it's not even, but like, it's not even like, oh, like, we think that they're they're done. They think they're done, right? They very clearly think they're done. Like the the Sydney Brown pick six, Kevin Byard hustling to go get a block downfield. The rookie's gonna score his first touchdown, first interception. Like that play, they had juice. The rest of the game, dude, they were up twenty-one to six. I understand it. The Julio, the second Julio touchdown when they got up twenty-one to six going into halftime. Uh, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, little shoulder bump on the sideline. Julio, two touchdowns. Go celebrate with the old guy a little bit. They had juice on two total plays. Uh, when, when this game was 21-21, they were like, oh, it's over. We lost. Like, they had, they had nothing. Because there, no, there was no juice defensively. There was no energy defensively because they're just getting big boys, right? This is the worst way to lose a game. They were, they were sitting in light boxes and getting run on the whole game. Right, this is an embarrassing, emasculating way to lose as, as a defense. And then offensively, right? They're okay, like we're gonna run the ball, we're gonna salt the clock away. But no, like there's penalties, and then there's 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 lost yardage, and there's AJ Brown's pouting after every single possession, and Devontae Smith has dropped. There's no gas, nothing. Like this didn't this didn't feel like a team. Oh, like well, we've got star talent, so we win these games. It felt like a team that that accidentally tripped Bass Ackwards into twenty one and six, and knew they were posing the whole time. Like when it went to 21 21, they were like, yeah, like that's how this usually, like there's nothing. They're, they are so very clearly aware of the fact that they don't have it. And that's the, that's the part that's watching them that's most scary. It's like, oh, they have star talent. Oh, they still score a lot of points. No, they what, watch them play. They don't think they're good. And that, that's, that's the long and the short of it. That's well, that is the sto- that's well said. That's the story of the 2023 season is a team, a fan base analyst, like, uh, like, tr- like, sometimes tricking yourself into believing this team is something that it so clearly is not now that we have a bigger sample. I mean, that you're, you're right there. You know, all the vibes are after the Julio Jones. Okay, like, let's get some good vibes going. Everyone says we look miserable. Everyone says we play with no joy. Hey, we're feeling good here. We're 21-6. It's New Year's Eve. Everything we want is still in front of us. And then what happens? Then you completely fall apart like that. I appreciate the effort on those, but that's not who you are. We've seen it too often this entire season, especially the last whatever six weeks of the season. That's not who you are. Even when you've won games, uh, you know, we look back now and we can say, all right, you know, yeah, we told ourselves a story. We, I was guilty of it. You were, we did on this podcast. They're finding ways to win. Hey, these are good teams. They're pulling out wins at the end. They don't lose games. And then you go another week and then, oh, that wasn't good. And then you go another week. Oh, that was really bad. And then you go another week. And this this, my friends, feels like rock bottom. This is, I was talking to Cliff before he came on. So this is an all-time bad loss. Like this, for a regular season. Not I know I understand playoff. That's a different story. Uh, for a regular season game, this is a loss you will remember for a long time. This is probably the loss that will define, I think, the 2023 Eagles in your head in future years when you think about how this season went. Uh, this is a a a offense whose leading receiver today was Greg Dortch and hey, offense. put some respect on the demon deed, Greg Dortch. You, ha- you have to. I mean, he cooked them. Absolutely. Can they yeah, trade for that guy uh, next year? A team playing without its leading receiver in Hollywood Brown, a team whose left tackle went down during the game. DJ Humphreys doesn't finish the game. A team whose defense came in ranked 32nd in DVOA. You were 10 and one and you can't put this team away. You've lost four of five with the stakes. I mean, on the line here, like, how do you come out and do that? So, yes, this is a funeral. This is a collapse 
for the organization. It le- no question is all. You could come in with any hot take about job security, roster, personnel. Pl- nothing is really off limits when you collapse the way this team lost. By the way, Souls, you know what is, but again, the shame of it, if you're an Eagles fan, not only were they 10 and one, well, you know, what do we talk about so much in the summer? Well, you know, injury luck, like that's not going to, they, if my, if I, my counting is correct here, they had 20 of 22 starters healthy for this game. Zach Cunningham yeah. and Darius Slay were the two. You had all 11 starters on offense healthy in week 17 and you can't beat Johnny Gans? Oh my God. Goodness, 2023 and, Eagles. And this this was like, you know how like I'm coming into this game, I was like, all right, the Eagles are gonna score a ton of points on offense because they want to beat Gans. This was a game of Gans offense. The Cardinals being like, I know how to beat this Eagles defense, right? I know, I know where they're where they're liable. They left uh they 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 put two tight ends on the field, and the Eagles played five down front, and they left one of Josh Butter Hassan Reddick unblocked. They pulled a couple offensive linemen and they climbed to the second level. And they said, you know those linebackers you have over there? They're terrible. Yeah. Johnny Gans like, I know all about this. I, I, li- I lived this reality last year. I, I know exactly what to do in this environment. And uh, they dominated up front. The, the time of possession really started to eat into the Eagles in the second half. You could tell the defensive line was, was, was bad on their legs. And we've talked about that for a lot of this season. Uh, but they weren't great in the first half. And then in the second half, in the plays where they started to accumulate, they were struggling in a big way. Linebacker play, like I, I legitimately... I was watching, I was rewatching this film during the four o'clock games. And I was just, I was, I was like, someone's got to give me Nick Morrow's home address. I need an email address. I need to talk to this man. I was like in like a dark and dire place. And then I watched Alex Singleton make a nice play for the Broncos. And I was like, man, I miss Alex Singleton. And the moment I say, the moment I, me, That's say bad I for miss you, Alex yeah. Singleton, we are in the worst. We are in a headlock. We are in a full Nelson. We are done. We are got. Defensively, like, they, like it was Gannon knowing how liable this team will be, what they'll be able to lose to, given the way that they, they, they play defense. And like, uh, Matt Patricia's got nothing, man. He has absolutely nothing. Like, uh, Shocker. I, oh I, my I, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Who could have seen this coming? The guy who was an abject failure at like his last three jobs and the only time he had any type of success was when Billy Boy was holding his hand. This That's the biggest indictment, honestly, of the 2023 Eagles and Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff and this organization is that when things started to turn this year, mm-hmm. their big move was replacing Sean Desai with Matt Rick and Patricia. And in Matt Patricia's third game as the he's still not the defensive coordinator. Okay. Well, no, of course not. Yeah, he's not. In his third game running the defense, Ben, this was the third worst defensive performance by any team in any game this season based on success rate. Think about that. This was the Eagles' worst game by defensive success rate since the 2006 season. Oh my gosh. Sure, sure, sure. They, they had a defensive success It was worse rate. than last year's Super Bowl. Yeah. They, no, that's regular season and postseason. Last year, uh, uh, this was they had a, a defensive success rate of 40.8%. So that's to say the Cardinals were successful on 59, 60% of their plays. That is the worst performance, regular season or postseason, of an Eagles defense since a Colts game in 2006, where Think I'm presuming they played Peyton Manning. Like... <laughs> that, that, by the way, Shield. And <laughs> you just played Greg Dorch. Listen, right. listen, listen, think of all the bad defenses you've watched. This is the whole Chip Billy Davis era. I mean, this is yeah. when, 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 this is Juan Castillo. This is every Juan Castillo game, 
Right. This is this Johnny is with, Kansas first and first year. Right. And this is with uh, first round pick Jalen Carter, first round pick Jordan Davis, first round pick Nolan Smith is with uh, contract Nine extension, Josh White, contract extension, Hassan Reddick, contract extension, uh, Zach Ertz, or not Zach Ertz, uh, Fletcher Cox, trade Kevin Byard, right? This is with players. This is with guys. The previous second worst, by the way, was the Niners game <laughs> this year. Yeah. They've had two of their three worst defensive performances, regular or postseason, in 18 seasons in the last month of football. The last five Th- weeks. This yeah. is a level of, of defensive failure that is unprecedented. Uh, at least the Niners game, you know, in that stretch, you were going, all right, the Niners are doing this to everybody. I mean, this to me, and, and that doesn't make it better. It doesn't mean an excuse. But this to me is a different. The Cardinals did not punt in this football game. They had the ball seven times. They scored four touchdowns, two field goals, and had one fluky INT where the quarterback and the wide receiver were not on the same page. Great return, Sidney Brown. That's the one thing I will give anyone credit for this entire game. Great return, Sidney Brown. That was the only time they did not score. They scored on their final four possessions of the game. They had 32 first downs, tied for second most by any team in a game this season. You said it. The linebackers stink. The pass rush is ineffective. The two first-round picks were invisible in this game. The young defensive backs, they're not good. And the guy calling the plays, the guy you you handed the keys to and said, maybe this will help us get over the hump defensively and let us go on a Super Bowl run. He has zero answers. So it's personnel, it's it's Howie, it's Patricia, it's Sirianni, it's the individual player. You can name anybody associated with this entire defense, and they also deserve blame for this disaster. I swear to you, Hassan Reddick had more reps and coverage in this game than he's had like a game this season. That's not a real stat. I look that up every week because it feels like that every week. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. It felt that way. They They would get into five down fronts, and the Cardinals would just go, hurry up. And, they, and, and then they would spread the field out and they would flex Reddick out. And they did it for four quarters. Oh my like, gosh. They, they, had, they, had, they had a third down in the, in the red zone where they went up like a pass rush front and they put Brandon Graham at nose tackle. You got nothing. You are making stuff up. A week ago, they did Nolan Smith as the one off-ball linebacker in the five down fronts. This week, they're doing five down fronts. They don't do it. They put Nick Morrow back there. They just threw it out. They did it for a week, and then it's gone. And they're getting killed in these fronts. They have no solutions. They have no idea. The defensive coaching staff has absolutely nothing in their bag. Just zero solutions to anything. And that's because the Cardinals. Yeah, Michael Carter, Trey McBride, Elijah Higgins, Greg Dorch. Oh God, God forbid this team runs into the Niners again. Oh my they're going to score 60. Honestly, Lions, Cowboys, Niners. Uh, yeah, seriously. This is against uh, an offense that came in 26th in defensive DVOA. Okay, Hassan Reddick dropped, it looks like, seven times into coverage. Uh, this according to True Media PFF, which, you know, th- these could be updated during the week. But in my estimation, yes, that is a uh, season high. So there you go. That was the card they're playing is let's let's drop him, you know, seven, oh my gosh, seven times. And, and I'm sure he's thrilled about that, um, Hassan Reddick. So uh, I, I don't even know what else to say about the defense. I mean, if, you, if you're saying, Shiel, are you, if you're saying you guys are being too hard on Patricia, look at the guys they're playing. 
uh, outputting out there. Yeah, I agree with that to an extent. I will say this, like if you had a great defensive coordinator in here or a good defensive coordinator, you're not looking that bad against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry, you're, you're not, yeah. I'm not saying you're going to shut them down. I'm not say, gonna, saying your linebackers are going to play well. They're not. They're going to get picked on. You're still going to have issues. You're not going to look that bad to the point where you you just had the third worst defensive performance by any team in a game this season. So that is a complete disaster. The one button they pushed, again, the one button they pushed when things went to get sideways has been a complete disaster. So that's the defense. Let, let's take a break. We'll I got back. one more uh, thing to say about the sorry, defense. Go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, we can still talk more about that it. A little uh, 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 quick swing out. Keith Ringo takes on the block, makes a tackle. Nice play. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> there was that and there was the Reed Blankenship third and two stick that's all I that got that was nice the, I mean they still got two, it I think on fourth and one yes right they did after that yeah. those two plays I was like hey that's alright and then that, that's like Milton Williams sack wow hey nice. forced fumble that was pretty nice pretty good that was okay. nice that's all I got Um, let me think Josh Sweat anything no Zon Reddick anything no Jordan Davis anything no uh, Jalen Carter had a sack where I the one, yeah. This is the one thing I agreed with Moose Johnson on the entire game was that, yeah, I think Kyler oh. Murray, like 100% maybe getting away from that sack. Uh, it wasn't really one of those where Jalen Carter planted him to the ground, but that's okay. You still get credit for it. Uh, I'm trying to think anything else. Cornerbacks, no. Uh, safeties, you got the one good blank and chip. Byer, nice effort on the Sydney Brown. Yeah, uh, the old, old man's running. Wants to get the nice young effort. touchdown. I appreciate it. Leadership. Nice effort. Uh, Keely nice. got shafted on that one pass interference call. That sucked. I agree. Uh, that was yeah. it. it was, yeah, that, okay, that's yeah. true. Bat refs, I, yeah, I think you get a, you you get refs, a good whistle here. You're probably winning this game. Uh, you're probably going to the Super Bowl. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll come back here. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. I have no need to like appease anybody. I did, I, th- I think there's nobody left who's optimistic uh, about this team. Maybe you're listening. You're saying, no, no, we are. Yes, yeah, and they're still no, no. no. Like we have I, an I email. Underst- Someone emailed you, myself, and and Sean, and and yeah, but that, uh, yeah, but then he re- followed up. Did you see the follow up email? Read the follow up email on air. <laughs> uh, this is the one from Mark Curtin. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, I understand now. Okay, never mind. I apologize. <laughs> what does it say? What did the second one say? Yeah, the second one says, "I take it all back." Dot dot dot. This team is cooked. Dot dot dot. Yes. Good Thank title you. for the episode. Mark, <laughs> loyal listener. Thank you, Mark, for the uh, email, and I, I did appreciate that because I saw both of those at the same time. All right, let, a couple more things on the defense here. So, I mean, the story in in many ways of this defense is just like 
up front was some was supposed to make up for the garbanzo beans elsewhere on the roster. And like if that didn't happen, they're really like they we knew they had nothing. There was nothing else that was going to happen. You get run on 40 times for 221 yards in this game. Get absolutely pushed around. You have one sack and three quarterback hits. Now, in this game, unlike other games where they lie to us and tell us the ball came out quickly when no, there are actually numbers to this and we can tell if it does or not. The ball did come out quickly in this game, 2.4 seconds, because you don't have anybody who can cover anybody and you don't have a defensive coordinator that can make Kyler. I mean, Kyler Murray, this this was a throwback to 2021, my old armpit test. Shout out to Johnny Gans. You know, yeah. you at least want the quarterback to have to like, you know, change his shirt at the end of the game, maybe be glad that he threw on uh, a little right guard or that like this was, I don't think Kyler Murray had much going on there in the underarm area after this game. He looked very comfortable uh, back there. So defensive line has just completely underachieved Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter combined in this. And they're not the only ones, so I'm, I'm not picking on them, but this was just, I mean, Hassan Reddick, one tackle that that's his, his box score, Jordan Davis, one tackle. That's his box score. Jalen Carter had the one play, which we gave him credit for. I yeah. mean, think about that. Those three was, guys yeah. combined for three. They, they brought a player down three times total. And only once was it a quarterback. Those three players. Yeah. Those are three or four my, starters. My quick read on the game, which I'll be curious to see what we see. Film-wise, because what Sean thinks in the midweek show is that Gans decided in the running game that they were going to pick on Redick and that they did so successfully. He'd be like, you know, again, like, that's Gans knowing the personnel from last year and being like, Okay, we think we can move this guy off the ball. He can be our point of attack guy. And we can go at him, and and then they did that for four quarters. So uh, Reddick, it's 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 it, it. He's going to justify not being the best run defender by his impact in the backfield as a pass rusher, which is harder to do when he's dropping into coverage seven times. Yeah, but and but he hasn't been bringing that like since he came back from thumb, thumb injury, had a couple good weeks, and then just has been really absent in the pass rush ever since. I said this to Sean. Uh, so like Reddick still has one big contract probably left. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm Reddick and I'm being told to drop into coverage, I'm just pretending I didn't get the call. And I'm, gonna, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get the quarterback. I mean, are you serious? Everybody, it looked yeah. like, got pushed around. I mean, when they were doing replays, certainly the interior guys were getting pushed around. Linebackers, I mean, they just got nothing. Uh, absolutely nothing at linebackers, safeties, everybody there. So when you get that type of defensive line performance, you really have no shot. Uh, offensively, all right, let's talk about the offense here. It wasn't like they, they got limited opportunities, but it was one, two, three, four, I mean, seven possessions in this game and they scored three touchdowns. So statistically it's three touchdowns and a field goal on seven possessions, uh, is actually not bad. And it's actually one, two, three, six possessions. I mean, that last one, you yeah. get the ball with 32 seconds. So that's actually not uh, bad output. Having said that, we all watch the game. We're not just looking at the numbers. And I know the one sequence that's going to be on everyone's radar. So let's get your take uh, on this one. Okay. First and 20. On, okay. Onside kick by Johnny Gans, which actually, I, I listen, no one know If you listen to this, I have crushed Johnny Gans relentlessly. Yeah. I, I like that move by Johnny Gans because you're saying maybe we surprise him and get the ball back. That's a win. Like, what are we playing for here? We got nothing to lose. Let's go try to win the game. That's a nice culture thing. That's something I would have given Dan Campbell credit for two years ago. So I like that. And then also, which is something he never realized as a defensive coordinator's like game situation, like, all right, even if they get the ball there, like they're probably our defense sticks, stinks. They're moving the ball. Uh, and so at least we'll give our offense another chance to get it back and score. So nice Johnny Gans. Listen, you out coach Nick Sirianni 
in this game. That was a nice job by Johnny Gans there. So he kicks the onside kick. Eagles recover it. They get a first down. Then they get a Jordan Mylotta penalty. First and 20 from the Arizona 30 at this point. Ideally, obviously, in this situation, you want to run clock and either kick a field goal or a touchdown with time running out uh, and you win the game. Okay, so that's what you want to do. Worst case scenario, you're already in field goal range, so just don't take negative plays and at least you get a uh, a three-point lead. Uh, first play, I believe, was a Hertz-designed run for yep. four yards. Second play, I believe, was a Hertz option run for yep. three yards. And then third and 19. No, so the second and 16 was for negative three yards, which Jalen Hurts. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has two pullers to follow. That's right. And Buda Baker knifes a gap. But Hurts has blockers and space in an alley, and he does not take it. Just, just absolutely. And like, I'll be interested to see the end zone view. Maybe Baker is closer. Like, there's no way he's getting around Baker. Second and 16, they had exactly what they wanted, and Hurts has decided to screw around behind line of scrimmage. I, I was okay. I was screaming my head. So off. he didn't trust it. So he, and then he just did yeah, just slide like Baker, down. I, I don't remember exactly. Baker's getting yeah. He he like slides okay. three yards behind okay. because he tries to go and, and run away from Baker after like Baker knife through an A gap. The runs hit in C gap. You gotta you have to use your offhand, put your shoulder down, beat Buda Baker and go. But like he hasn't done it pretty much all year. Either way, second and sixteen, they have blockers. They have what they wanted on the play. Okay, so you you feel like when we watch that, that might be one where at least they're getting a positive game. Gain, you set yourself up for third down. Uh, though instead, it ends up being third and 19, and they throw a design screen to one Kenneth Gainwell, where Devontae Smith is blocking on this play. And according to Zach Berman on Twitter, Devontae Smith gets injured on that play. Devontae Smith in the locker room, on crutches, in a walking boot, on a play where he's blocking for Kenny Gainwell on mm-hmm. third and 19 in the fourth quarter of this. I know third and 19 is stuff. Don't tell. Oh, there's no, don't tell. Now, oh, there's nothing in the playbook. Third and 19. I understand. You know what? You got A.J. Brown. You got Devontae Smith. You got Dallas Goddard. You got a top five offensive line. You got a quarterback who can create out of structure. Maybe you're going up against the 32nd ranked defense. Maybe you just try something. Maybe you at least put the ball in the hands of one of, oh, I don't know, your three best players. Heck, maybe even your four best players would be fine with me in that spot. Maybe you still don't get it. Maybe it's the same outcome, but maybe something. By the way, you have like one of the best, like Jalen Hurts' numbers on third down and third and long are very, very good when you give him a chance to just create a little bit. You don't do that. Nick Sirianni said afterwards, wind was in our face, whatever. You wanted to get a fuck up. Couple yards in my face. Oh my the gosh! Worst. Yeah, like Jake Elliott really cares about yeah. the freaking win. Was it even? Yeah, I paid my I paid today? my star receiver four years, hundred million dollars, but the oh wins my in, God. Our, in my face. So so, uh, so there you go. Here's so that's really frustrating. What did you is, think? Yeah. So they got they have paired screens, right? They have Gamble at the bottom with two blockers, and they have AJ at the top, right, with one blocker. And so it's pick a side, and Hertz picks the Gamble side, and the camera catches AJ afterward, and he's not stoked about that decision, as mm. one could imagine, right? So it's not even like it's always Gainwell. Like it looks like the top is active from what I can tell. But like, like this is actually like live. Like it's not just like a dummy thing. Like you could throw this if you wanted to. You can't see enough on the broadcast copy to count the numbers and to know if Hertz threw to the right guy or not. I'm assuming that he just made the correct box count read. You'd like, you know, to maybe fudge it and force it to AJ instead of instead of Kenny. Man, they trust Kenny. They sure just that. Oh, Kenny will get us out of a tough spot. They love a Kenny. Uh, yeah, the the. The you watched the the Lions Cowboys game on Saturday, right? And 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 the the Cowboys 
have a lead and they're, they're salting it away and they need to eat clock, but they're throwing the football over the yard and they end up having incompletions and it gives the Lions the ball back with clock. And so like there's ways that you over index to like we trust our quarterback we trust our receivers and you just end up throwing it too much once you get to first and 20 and remember it's still a tie game there's still four and a half minutes left you can't turtle that quickly you cannot go to the run and like i said on second and 16 they had what they wanted but to go run run and then screen is functionally run right it's, it's we know we're gonna get a completion we know we're gonna be able to burn clock like you're you're behaving as if you're already up three and there's two and a half minutes left it is tied there are four minutes left and your defense is putting out a historically bad performance you have to like you have to assume the Cardinals are going to score seven. Why would you believe anything otherwise? So it, it, it's bad situational awareness all the way across the board. From the coaching staff deciding to turtle, Hurts on, on second and 16, Mylotta with the hold, which like Swift bounces. And so I give him a little bit of grace. Like you, you're, that block is legal if Swift's staying to the inside. And when Swift goes to the outside, you don't know he's going to do that. All of a sudden it becomes illegal, but you got to let him go. You have to know here, like priority is no penalties, no backwards plays. You're going to stop the clock. Firstly, secondly, you're going to put it in pass situations. So like my lot of mistake hurts mistake. And then uh, uh, you have that third and 19 where he chooses to throw to gain. Well, all of that is on coaching. They look like a team that didn't know what to do on that drive, which is absurd because they're supposed to know what to do on that drive because they've been so good at it. They're so very much not themselves right now. They've looked like a team that doesn't know what to do all season. Yeah. I mean, when you were, ju- when you were just talking through that, I was thinking, I mean, what was the game a few games ago where they had a third and three and they're throwing the go ball to A.J. Brown? Remember? Down the left sideline yeah. there. Like that was Cowboys spot. game. Cowboys game. They're doing that. They, I they, mean, they, they had one of those in this game, right? Third and five from the 30. Uh, third quarter. This is their only punt of the day. They got zero blitz. And what they, they threw the Devontae go ball. And they hit him in the hands. But here's the thing chance, about the go yeah. ball. Even on a good throw and a good catch and a good play, it's a hard connection to make. It's a lot easier to connect on like a slant. But no, like they, 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 the goal. At ball, least they our, tried. Honestly, in a game, in this whole game, like at least they tried to hit something downfield when a team hit them yeah. with a zero blitz. Finally, uh, this this entire. So I mean, just last week, right? Third and twenty, and Jalen Hurts makes the thirty thirty two yard completion. AJ Brown, yeah, to AJ Brown. Oh my God, thirty twenty, incredible. This uh, this team not knowing what to do in this these situations yeah. all season. This long. goes back to like. We, we, I used the imagery of getting punched in the mouth a lot over the course of the last two years. And it's just that it feels like this Eagles team got punched in the mouth with Cowboys and, and uh, Niners, and they're not going to be able to recover in time, right? Like they, they got hit. They didn't know what it felt like to be hit. And now they're scared, right? Now they don't feel the same and they don't know how to get themselves out of it, right? This is why how you respond to these sorts of things legitimately is it's very legitimate. It's very meaningful, right? You have to know how to lose games and bounce back. Like that's what makes some of these like great long tenured coaches so good is that their team can have like two or three horrible games in a row and then they can just dig themselves out of that trench, hit the reset button and go back and win a game. It's a hard, hard thing to do. And the Eagles are showing they can't do it right now. Too young, leadership's not vocal enough, going back to like the Hurts thing. Sirianni is kind of, you know, okay, is he a, you know, just kind of like a, a fair weather coach? Like whatever, you can, you diagnose it 10 different ways. They got punched in the face against the Niners. And, and then he got punched again by the Cowboys. They're, they are reeling. They got, you know, little cartoon ducks and chickens going around their head, and they don't know how to respond. Well, I think that's a good, good segue to the head coach here. I mean, I remember us distinctly having that conversation. I forget after what game it was about, okay, now Nick Sirianni's facing some adversity. Has not happened since 2021, that first half of the season. Since then, pretty much smooth sailing. They fixed their season. They got to the playoffs. Next season, they come back with Jalen Hurts. They win every game. They're blowing teams out. They get to the Super Bowl. You're feeling good. You start this season out 10-1. and 1. 
And now look at what's happened then since they faced that uh, adversity. Again, we talked about the Patricia Desai thing. Offensively, I don't care what you're doing, honestly, about against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't care what the numbers look like against the freaking Cardinals and the Giants. I still don't like the design, the structure, the play calling of this offense. You cannot convince me that they are maximizing the talent on the roster on this offense where everybody yeah. is healthy. You cannot convince me of that. I've watched every play live and on film all season, and I do not, Ben, I watch other teams, and I do not believe that you are getting everything you can out of this offense. So you have that. Uh, your move on defense backfires. How about the other stuff? Last week, you had the issues with the time management in the first half. This this week, you're wasting timeouts left and right in the second half. I mean, that is also the the coach's job, the process stuff. Uh, that's an issue. Does the team play with any joy? We mentioned it like, all right, the Julio Jones touchdown. All right, maybe. I mean, I don't look at this team. They've been miserable for weeks yeah. now. As soon as things went sideways, they've been miserable. And I have to believe the volatility of the head coach does not help with that. When he's yelling at people, when he's puffing his chest out, uh, when things are going well, that's fun. That's fine. I enjoyed it. I like how, you know, 31 other fan bases uh, dislike the guy. But then you also have to have something in your pocket for when things are going poorly. And we just have not seen that uh, at all. And so now, like, if you zoom out a little bit, um, and again, we'll, you know, we'll talk about next week and then we'll talk about the playoffs when they come. We will talk about those games. But I think if you're zooming out, and I know fans do this uh, a lot, I like to do this a lot. I mean, what does this look like here? Like, what are the concerns long term uh, with the head coach, with the coaching staff? I mean, you can paint a pretty bleak picture here that this season ends in either the wild card round or the divisional round. And then who knows, does Jason Kelsey want to come back to this given how the second half of the season went? Or does he say, you know what? Uh, all good. My time has come and gone. You have no plan at defensive coordinator. What are you doing an offensive coordinator and offensive coaching staff? You cannot just run it back the same way you have here. How much are Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie looking at this going, this team is underachieving versus well, we put this out, put this team together, and this is kind of what it was going to, you know, regress to in the end. What is that friction like between coaching staff and front office and personnel and players? All these things start happening when things go poorly. So um, that's kind of where I'm at zooming out with this team. Again, even though they've clinched a playoff spot, they're going to be playing in the playoffs. We'll see what happens. But man, there are so many questions that have just been opened up here and are fair to ask, quite frankly, given the way the last yeah. five, six, seven weeks have gone. This is a poorly coached team. Right? <laughs> Offensively, defensively, scheme-wise, talent-wise, culture-wise, poorly coached right now, right? Uh, nobody is helping. I don't even think that's controversial. Yeah, I mean, I no. would wonder if anyone listening would listen to that and be like, I mean, here's what you can do fairly. You can point to Nick Sirianni's overall record, and no one's taken that away from him. Yeah. Like, historically good, but I'm with you. Like, that. when you said that, I wasn't like, ooh. I was like, yeah, yeah like, obviously. Team. Yeah. There's nothing in, in the cupboard. Right. Like the, the best coaches bring out their best stuff and then they there's a counterpunch from some defense, from some offense four weeks into the season, six weeks into the season. And they're either ahead of it or they adjust to it. The best coaches are, are fluid. They're versatile. It's not that they run things, that they're smart guys. They have solutions. You want a full cupboard. You want a full toolbox. Offensively and defensively, they got nothing. They just have no solution. Right? We run the same stuff into the same stuff. We lose the same ways. We win the same ways. Hope we're good enough today. And like the motivation is at an all-time low. The, the, the target distribution and like, okay, everybody's happy. And like the effort and, and the culture, that's at an all-time low. So how do you solve the problem? Like unless it's, it's 
unbelievable culture management hunky dory. We get all the 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 team leaders together and the captains together and we make everything right and we have a renewed commitment to being good at football. Then you have to solve it schematically. You have to find ways to say, okay, like everybody's feeling funky right now, but we're gonna do these these few things on offense, these few things on defense. And it's gonna wake us up. We're gonna get a sack and we're gonna get a pick and we're gonna get an explosive and we're gonna get a touchdown and we're gonna feel right again. And they just don't have they've had so long to show that they have that and they don't. So they're not a well coached team. So if if you're giving me keys to the kingdom in February, I'm absolutely making a defensive switch. I'm probably making an offensive. Can you imagine if they didn't? What if what if they just just try to sneakily announce Matt Patricia's coming back as defensive coordinator? Right. And even like Patricia's defensive coordinator, you have to you can't firstly Patricia can't call plays. I will (laughs) I will personally take the Novacare complex apart brick by brick if Patricia was calling plays in 2024. You will not be able to keep me out of the facility. You erect whatever security fences and measures like get guard dogs. I'll be there every night taking a cinder block out of the facility until it crashes. Patricia will not call plays for this defense in 24. But you also need a different schematic approach because this schematic approach is awful, right? It, and like, it just, it requires so much better linebacker play than they have. Like if you're going to play with linebackers this bad, you have to play Vance Joseph defense or Wink Martindale defense or we just blitz guys with reckless abandon defense. You cannot ask them to do things because they are incapable of achieving it. So you need a schematic change as well as a, 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 pers- a play caller change. And then offensively, I, I think you still need one on that side of the ball as, ball as well. I think system-wise, you can stay in the same stuff. But Brian Johnson, like I said, doesn't have solutions. So now you're asking Sirianni a, a year after replacing his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator to potentially do it again. He's not going to be deep in his bag of connections, right? Like, who does he know? Who, who does he trust? Who can do, work this for him? And you're also, and this is like goes back to some of the Howie stuff and the, and, and the Jeff Lurie stuff, the Eagles are constantly presenting themselves to the general coaching public as like not the best place to coach. You don't have as, as much control over the roster as the coaching staff often does. And the Eagles have shown they're very quick to turn around on guys. And so... I think it's going to be hard to get a good OC and hard to get a good DC in the building. And that's on Sirianni to make sure he gets that done. And so I think you're going to see coordinator changes on both sides of the ball. Assuming they, they finish the season the way we think they will, which is five seed, go to Tampa Bay and lose to Baker Mayfield, at which point I will become rabid. I will be a feral dog. I'll be foaming at the mouth in this podcast <laughs> when Baker Mayfield bounces me from the playoffs. Right? Let me make that very clear. I will be snarling and woofing and howling. To the coaching, I don't know that I totally agree with like being able to attract top coaching talent. I, I actually think that like league wide, when you look at the other situations, like I think there is actually um, appeal here, especially offensively. You're going to be able to call the plays for an offense that has AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts, and at least a decent offensive line. Like that's a nice spot to be in compared to a lot of your other options. If you are, you know, a good play caller, a good offensive coordinator, whatever. Now you might look at it and say, well, Sirianni is designing the offense. Like, and I, you know, you could be like a, a potential coach and say like, I don't like what he does. I think that sucks. And I want to revamp it. And like, is that going to work um, in terms of working with him? I think that's fair, but uh, I, I don't think that's a bad situation. And defensively, you get handed the keys. I mean, really from the head coach, uh, to coach the entire defense and, and implement any system you want. And you're coming after the team just fired, not fired, right. replaced Sean Desai and went to Matt Patricia. So it's like the bar is relatively low uh, on that side. I mean, it was just, listen, like, like if Johnny Gans were, you know, was transparent, Vic Fangio would be their defensive coordinator. Like he was very willing, you know, uh, he found this to yeah. be an attractive situation. So um, I think you're okay there. Now, I, I think the other thing you said, though, hit the nail on the head, like, 
is Sirianni really presenting his options to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie about what he wants to do? I would say probably not. I would say it's more of a Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie saying, here are some people we like, respect, know, uh, think could be good. Give them a call and see what you think. Obviously, it's not just one or the other. It's going to be collaborative. But like those are some tricky conversations. If Nick Sirianni's bringing someone on, he doesn't know, he doesn't trust, it doesn't go well. Well, now, how does that look? But then again, if you're Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, you're looking at this going like, the guy, need, the guy needs help. Like we need to help this guy because he doesn't have answers. So I understand it from their perspective as well. So those are some of the very, very big questions uh, facing this football team. Like, I don't think, you know, in terms of leadership and uh, all that, like I know someone was tweeting at me, like they, they quit. Like I, I generally just believe that like profe- the professional football players I've been around, like work hard and try hard pretty much like, yeah. I don't know, like 99% of the time. So I don't like a lot of times it's just the team isn't good enough and, or a player's not good enough. And you can say they quit. Like that's usually not uh, what it is. So I don't see it that way, but I do think players want coaches who they know are going to make them individually better and give the team a chance to win. Like those are the things that matter above all else. And if you're AJ Brown, I mean, if you're some of the other players on this roster, do you, how could you feel, how could you feel that those things you want from a coach, those needs you have from a coach are being met? They are not being met, uh, right now, which is why I agreed with your overall, uh, assessment of Nick Sirianni. So, uh, it's good. It's suddenly, I think going to be a very, very, very interesting off season. Again, you still, you get one more game next week and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. You at least get to watch a playoff game, uh, for better or worse. Maybe you get to watch a couple, who knows? Uh, I'm not bullish on this team turning things around, making some type of surprise run. I don't think you are. I don't think probably 99% of our listeners are uh, either. So that's just kind of where things stand. So I think it's okay to look ahead a little bit. All right, Cliff was in attendance for this game. Longtime listeners of the Ringers Philly special will know Cliff was also in attendance last week when this team played the New Orleans Saints. Poor Cliff. I mean, the guy just wants to go to one game a season, have a good time, and cheer on the team that he loves. And these are the two games he's been stuck with the last two seasons. Cliff, what was, I mean, I hesitate to even ask, but what was the experience like for you at the link today? <laughs> first of all, it was just just downright just depressive. Like the whole game, first of all, they went up 21-6. to six. It was cool. Everything was fine. The crowd was cheering. Everybody was going crazy, after, especially after the Sidney Brown pick six. And then just it just all goes downhill. There's no stops. There's not. There's nobody going crazy. I want real quick though. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Bucks County Glass, Megan Child for the seats today. I had a great time, great experience. It was awesome. Um, Cliff always people. getting the plug in. No, nah, nah. all business, all <laughs> business. Got 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 a shout out to good folks over there, man. Shout out to Bucks Bucks County Glass. But yes, I mean, it, like, how do I end up going to these games? Like the year before, in the year before uh, last season in twenty one. I went to the uh, Chiefs game where they just they couldn't stop. Oh my god, that was yeah. like this game. That yeah, was like it was, this it was game. Not a lot of like possessions, and every possession s- ended in a score. They did not punt. Every possession pretty much ended in a score. Kyler Murray's running all over the field. Like it, the the crowd, the life is taken out of the crowd. Man, people are in the crowd just sitting there. Like, yeah, this team stinks. I'm gonna, I'm walking towards the subway. <laughs> hey, it's over. It's New Year's. Let's hit the liquor store before it closes, and <laughs> let's turn, let's close out the year the proper way. But, man, listen, I wanted to come in here and do a Gannon watch. I had people ask me today, yo, Cliff, what's up with the Gannon watch, man? We want to, you know, you want to do something. I said, oh, don't worry. After this game, after the results, we'll see what we can do. 
Listen, we gotta have a discussion, man. It's it's Sirianni, it's Sirianni watch right now, you know? Like I know y'all just did, you know, a little a little briefing on him, but he's on notice right now. It, things aren't looking too good for our boy Nikki Sirianni. So mm-hmm. I just wanna know, like, overall collectively, and, and this is just the vibe I get, people are questioning his, you know, his leadership, his you know, what he brings to the table as far as an offensive mind. Um, and like you just laid out, can he bring a different offensive mind in here? Uh, that's not Brian Johnson, who clearly um, is inept at calling plays. And that's unfortunate because I had our helps for him. But, um, you know, is, is Sirianni's job on notice? Because like you said, Jeffrey Lurie in the blink of an eye can get rid of somebody. Like, well, I don't want to make it sound, you know, crazy like he's part of the mob or something like that. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Like, like, he will move on from you. Like, I remember um, when Andy had uh, got – fired I believe back in 2012 they were like four and 12 I believe at the end of the season and the rumblings were you know Andy was going through some personal things things were happening but it all happened really fast like that happened within like a day or two where they're just like, all right this is probably it for Andy Reid because people thought he was going to be back he was with the Eagles the organization for such a long time and then Chip Kelly thing you know he didn't even finish out his second second or third season third third yeah. year third yeah, he season. got fired during his third year Fired for Pat third year. I remember where I was when I got the notification. Yeah, you hop, day. Used to be a dad. The video of him hopping on the chat with his dog and his girl and just flying yeah. right out of Philly. And then um, Doug. I mean, Doug Peterson won the first Super Bowl in franchise history, and they they moved off him kind of fast too after that whole debacle with the Washington Commander football team, whatever they were called at the time, uh, when players were being benched towards the end of the game. And I mean, oh, the Sunset game. I forgot. And, and listen, I'm not What's saying Sirianni's going to get fired. I don't believe that for a second. I mean, the dude does have a good record here. But listen, man, he's been exposed this whole season, like point blank period. And we got to have that discussion now. Like if, if if something crazy happens in the playoffs where let's say they, you know, it looks like they're going to have to go to New Orleans, I believe right now. Um, they Orleans go to New Orleans Tampa, and lay. Yeah. yeah, New Orleans yeah. or Tampa. They go there and lay an egg in one of those two, you know, mid to mediocre teams. The, the light is going to be on Sirianni for sure to me. Yeah, I, I said think, I was going to be a. I said I was going to be a feral dog if they lose to Baker in the playoffs. If they lose to Derek Carr, I will not speak English <laughs> on that pod, dude. I will be, I will be unintelligible. <laughs> yeah, I think like the the Peterson. Thing, it, it. I mean the Peterson thing. It's like remember the end of that season. He does the press conference at the end of the season, and you're like, okay, I guess you know he's coming back. And then it takes a while, and it's a week later, and it's like, wait, is he coming back? And then they have this long meeting, and it's like, no, no, he's not. Coming and they can never just do things cleanly, like with the decide thing. Like it's always nasty. They're not a decide. I, I, I listen. I can understand it because I'm a not a decisive person. I wouldn't like the confrontation either. But it's like, listen, you're a professional organization. It's it's like this guy's. We're moving on. This guy's fired. Like that's they wait so long. And actually, they were scrambling. That led to them being scrambling for Sirianni. Remember, no one was interviewing yep. Sirianni. He was on vacation, uh, and they yeah. interviewed him. So it, it was like a very herky jerky thing. I don't think. This offseason, no. I mean, I would be Sirianni's job is very safe to me. Yeah, this I mean, he come on. He got to the Super Bowl yeah. uh, last season. He deserves the opportunity His, to fix Yeah, that, no doubt sure. about it. I mean, that would be – I can't even <laughs> – it would have to be some type of, like, player-led mutiny or it would have to be, like, you know, uh, uh, like, mutually – like, Sirianni's like, I want to get out of it. It would have to be something crazy like that. I don't think it's just a, hey, you are being fired because of your job performance. Uh, it does, though, like, spin it forward a year from now. And when we're on here – talking about this and if the team's not playing like i don't know if the team's like eight and eight or something at that point now all of a sudden you're going okay with the way 
2023 ended and now uh, what 2024 looks like. Like, So we, we've had this conversation before. Is Sirianni going to be more like an Andy Reid where he's here for over a decade and man, this is just the guy for a long time? Or is he going to be more like a Doug Peterson or for the uh, older heads out there, more like a Dick Vermeil, somebody who peaks very early, gets burnt out. I mean, like you can kind of see the parallels there, uh, that profile. So um, he's won a lot of games. Uh, I don't I'm not saying he's like, a, you know, a, a terrible coach, incompetent, anything like that. This has not been a good season for him. I agree with you, uh, uh, Cliff. I agree with you. So, I mean, we've, we've gotten answers. Is he a special offensive schemer? No. Um you this know, is basic high school stuff that he's running to me, by the way. Yeah. Little bubble yeah. screens and no motion, just, you know, out of and, shot. And no, no, no plan B. This, every this is, every great yeah. coach has to have a plan B. Even the ones like I, I'll go into a season not sure about something like Mike McDaniel this year. I know they didn't play well today. Maybe a bad example, but like, <laughs> what does it look like the year after? You know, because we lived this with Chip Kelly year one. Holy cow, he's a revolution, uh, taking the league by storm. And then year two, it looks different. And then year three, it's a disaster. Like we see this in the NFL uh, all the time. So I think that's where we're at with Sirianni. We'll see. We'll see what the next. Maybe two weeks, maybe and more than that. Uh, look like, but I will say, I do think Jeffrey Lurie uh, and Howie Roseman will look at this with like a not uh, with with a. I'm trying to think of, of the. They will not be charitable with their view of how Nick Sirianni has coached this football. For sure. And can can, can Howie do one thing for me, please? Just one thing. Can you bring in a linebacker for this Philadelphia Eagles team? I saw Shaq I, Leonard basically yeah. get crossed up at the one yard line, do a whiff. Right in front of the pylon and get scored on. And I said, oh man, immediately I said, he's washed. Like, it's sad to see this drop off because that this dude was, was a yeah. dog back yeah. in uh, Indy. And it's yeah. so this was for him. This was the worst game I think Morrow's played since he got here. Morrow was just because he was their linebacker in their 5 1 stuff and he was just guessing and hoping and, and Olaying and just like praying that James Conner picked wrong. And then they can't bring Conner down because so they're not big enough. Conner's bigger than everybody in the back seven. It's bigger than half their, their, their edge rushers, man. Um, if this game. Makes Howie invest in a real linebacker. It's worth it. <laughs> hot, hot take. I, I will be glad to have sat through it. It means I finally get to watch one good linebacker play in Philadelphia for the first time since I was nine watching Jeremiah Trotter fly around. Please, God, give me a linebacker. Axeman. All right. So You don't remember Mark Simino then? Oh I remember Simino. I remember Simino attempting an extra started. point. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. There you go. We will end on Mark Simino. All right, so listen, hang in there, Eagles fans. Uh, it could always be worse. I just saw David Tepper throwing a drink at a Jaguars fan. So Jeffrey Lurie's not going to do that. Jeffrey Lurie, uh, you know, it, oh, it, it does always start with ownership, and the guy does want to win. That is priority number one. I don't know that he, you know, he doesn't argue with the decisions he he makes to have this team win, but at least he does want to win. He has a track record of winning. It doesn't look great now. They still won a lot of games this year. You'll get a playoff game to watch, uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and then we will look ahead to the off. Chill, chill, Ben, real quick. Can I ask you a question, man? What's up? Yeah. What is your Philly sports New Year's resolution? Like, what do y'all need to see out of the city this year? I know, Stop I know my, caring. I, know my I resolve to not care. I resolve to feel nothing. I was Cliff, when I saw the, the OG trade to the Knicks, I like got legitimately fired up for like three minutes. And I was like, no, you said don't believe in the Sixers. You said don't care. Don't do it. My resolution is to care less. My resolution is please Sixers get the hell out of the second round. Just just do me. I was gonna say is it the solid. second round or further? Do you want to be greedy? No. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh get out of the second round is probably a good one. Yeah, I think that's probably the best one. 
Phillies win the World Series? Is that asking too much? Yeah, I was about to say, I'll, that might be I asking mean, too much. The bar is high. Like anything yeah. else than that, I'm going to be mad and disappointed. So, um, yeah, those would probably. But with that uh, being said about the Phillies and Sixers, we're going to turn that up uh, as 2024 hits coming up here. Um, yeah. We've been really focused on the Eagles, but we got to turn up the Phillies and um, well, Sixers. Well, we might talk. only have two two more weeks, Cliff. Of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and then, you know, <laughs> we got to hop, yo, we got to hop on the Flyers bandwagon too. Don't forget about them. All right, there you go. All right, yeah, I did see. I did. Yeah, Flyers are playing well, right? People yeah. are jumping on the Flyers bandwagon. They, listen, right. a couple people We're asked me Cliff about it. those discussions. Said, I'll just be the guest. I'll be the. I'll produce. You host those. We'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> Thank you to Cliff Augustine. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to everyone who's listened all year long. A lot of hours, a lot of minutes, a lot of seconds, a lot of downloads, a lot of reviews, a lot of ratings, a lot of subscriptions. We appreciate all of them. Uh, we'll be back during the week. Talk about who knows. There could be some fallout uh, from this game, from with the locker room, with the coaches, with everything going on with this team. So we'll get to all of that and much, much more. Happy New Year's to everybody. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.